as we stand. Let's pray. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. Lord Jesus, we sing of your kingship. And we pray this morning that you would teach us what it means to exalt you as our King in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, do you have a seat? And uh, welcome from, from me. Um, I seem to be doing lots of different things this morning, uh, singing and um, uh, preaching, and I'll be playing a bit later as well. Um, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. Um, now, we're going to be focusing, we had a very long reading, thank you Eunice, um, for all of uh, those long names. Uh, we're going to be focusing on chapter 9 uh, today of Isaiah, so if you, could, if you could find that, that would be a great help uh, to me. Uh, Page 694 in the Church Bibles, Isaiah chapter 9. As we begin, I wonder if you remember the game, Would You Rather? Remember that game, Would You Rather? It's it's a children's book, I think. I remember as I grew up, um, there was a book by John Burningham, uh, growing up to the ridiculous refrains of horrible choices like this. What would you rather, drink snail squash or eat mashed worms? Which would you rather, help a witch make a stew or tickle a monkey? Well, of course, as you get older, so the possibilities grow and grow. It makes for a great conversation starter, actually. So, conversationstartersworld.com has a list of loads of uh, would-you-rather examples. Some of them are quite fun. So, uh, would you rather always be ten minutes minutes late or always twenty minutes early? Who's for the late? Who would rather be late? Ten minutes late. Maybe a few. 20 minutes early? Yeah, that's most. That's most. The cautious, uh, cautious lot. Um, how about this one? What, which would you rather um, lose all your money and valuables or lose all the pictures that you've ever taken? Okay, so who's for, who's for money and valuables? Okay, and who's for pictures? Yes, anyone under 25, definitely pictures. Um, And some of them are a little bit more revealing and serious. So, what about this one? Which would you rather, find your true love or find a suitcase with a million pounds? (laughs) I won't ask you to put your hands up for that one. (laughs) But for me, it'll be true love every time. Um, Well, it's a good game, isn't it? But it highlights a serious point. Uh, You see, sometimes in life we just have to choose. We have to choose. Sometimes life rolls the dice and we have to choose between two courses of action. And sometimes that choice is is a matter of life and death. Um, I wonder if you remember the the Indiana Jones um, film, The Last Crusade. Uh, Not the the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, that was when it got a bit silly. But number three, um, The Last Crusade. Do you remember that film when at the end Indiana Jones is... um, uh, There's all these, these cups before him and he has to choose the right cup. Um, the cup that, he, that Jesus might have had. Do you remember that? And uh, there's those wonderful words when um, the guy says, yes, uh, he chose wisely when Indy chooses the right cup. Well, it can be serious as well. We heard last weekend, didn't we, the tragic death of, uh, of Alfie Evans. Uh, and that's, uh, that the choice that was made on his behalf by the Supreme Court when they decided earlier in April that... Um, he wasn't being kept unlawfully at Alderhay Hospital in Liverpool and that his parents couldn't appeal that decision. It was a decision that, that assumed the certainty, didn't it, of Alfie's death. Uh, sometimes, uh, you see, our choices have uh, life and death 
uh, implications. Um, And in Isaiah, we have seen over the last couple of weeks that Israel faced a choice of would you rather uh, from God. So back right at the start of chapter 7, it was Ahaz, who's the king of Judah, who had to make the choice. God said to him, as it were, would you rather, Ahaz, trust me or make an alliance with Assyria and reject me? Remember this, for Israel, this was a time of peril, of fear. Uh, remember what, what was going on? King Rezin of Aram had made an alliance with the northern kingdom of Israel and they were on their way to attack Jerusalem. And in the face of that threat, God gave Ahaz a clear choice. God says, would you rather trust me or go it alone? And to help Ahaz make that decision, do you remember uh, that um, uh, God gave um, some signs in the form of Isaiah's children? So there was Shia Jashub in chapter 7, the name meaning a remnant will return. And God giving uh, um, Ahaz confidence that um, God wouldn't let his people be wiped out. But still, Ahaz chose Poorly, in the face of fear, he chose to reject God and uh, make an alliance with uh, Assyria. And even though Ahaz made this decision alone, actually the whole of Israel was implicated in the outcome. Uh, so the, the perilous results of that decision were, were guaranteed by God in two further signs, two further children. We had uh, Maha Shahal Hashbaz, um, which means quick to the plunder. A sign that as a result of Ahaz's rejection of God, um, God would bring Assyria to Jerusalem to plunder uh, Jerusalem. And in between those two sons, we had another son, didn't we? Born of a virgin, Emmanuel, uh, God with us. um, Which is both a son that was a sign of judgment. So God was going to be with his people, but in judgment. But also a sign of hope. Uh, There's this language of the remnant. God's going to preserve a little group of people in Israel who are faithful uh, to him. And in chapter 8, as we had the the reading, we saw that Isaiah himself was to be a sign for the people. Did you notice um, chapter 8, verse 17? Such a key verse here. Um, As Isaiah is kind of clinging on to to God, as the whole nation is deserting God, Isaiah says, I will trust him. I will put my trust in in him, I will wait for the Lord. And in that, in that sort of trust, Isaiah was to be a sign to the people that God was, was faithful. Well, while everyone else was turning away, Isaiah clung on. And so chapter 8 shows the results of um, Israel's rejection of God. And it's there in, um, summarised at the end of chapter 8 in verse 22... All that was left for Israel as they reject God uh, was distress and darkness and fearful gloom. Chapter 8, you see, ends in a very dark place. If you reject God, um, you have no hope. There's no hope that you're under the wrath of God. And so, where is hope at the end of chapter 8? Well, enter chapter 9. Enter chapter 9. See, God hasn't finished with his people yet. And so he gives them a promise um, of a new era of hope for God's people. An era that is marked strikingly by the rule of yet another son, um, who, unlike Ahaz, is a good king. See, these verses in chapter 9 are all about the reign of another son. If you like, the son king. 
Do you see how verses 1 to 5 of chapter 9, they all lead up to verse 6, to that word for of verse 6. For to us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. This is all about the reign of a, of a son. And for Isaiah, chapter 9, you see, was, was a kind of vindication of his faith and an encouragement for Isaiah to go on trusting God, even in the darkness. And actually for Israel, this promise in chapter 9 was also a sign of grace, a sign that God actually hadn't finished with them yet, that even though they'd rejected him, there was still hope. And perhaps intended, therefore, for individual Israelites to turn away from their unbelief and to put their trust in God. But what about us? As we look at this chapter, we need to remember something really important. Um, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew quotes the beginning of chapter 9. And he shows us that Jesus is the fulfilment of these verses. Jesus Christ is the king of which they speak. And so this chapter brings us to the most important would you rather. Would you rather put yourself under the reign of King Jesus or reject him? See, one lesson of King Ahaz's rejection of God is that, well, the people fell with him. So you stand or fall with the king that you serve. And chapter 9 says you must put yourself under the rule of God's son. Uh, That choice is very stark. See, even in fear, even in anxiety, put yourself under the wonderful rule of God's Son and go on trusting his eventual victory. Uh, Put yourself under the wonderful rule of God's Son and go on trusting his eventual victory. Well, to do that, we need to see how wonderful the reign of Christ is. These verses highlight three aspects of the reign of Christ. In verses 2 to 5, we see the blessings of King Jesus. Verse 6 describes, secondly, the person of King Jesus. And verse 7 describes the reign of King Jesus. So let's see, first of all, the blessings of King Jesus. And really, the lesson here is to live under the blessings of King Jesus in verses 2 to 5. These verses state four blessings that this king will bring First of all, there's light in verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Now this word is about expectation. By the end of chapter 8, the people of Israel, having rejected God, could only expect darkness. And that's a metaphor for God's favour. Israel could only expect, expect, you see, the withdrawal of God's favour, God's anger and his cold shoulder, because they'd rejected him. But this king, King Jesus, brings Light, uh, the light, the sunshine of God's smile, because Jesus brings us back into relationship with God. So there's light. Then verse 3, there's joy. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. The Israelites, if they, have they, as they reject God, could only know distress. But you see, if we know God's presence, then that brings joy, even in circumstances that are difficult and uncertain. Because in Christ we have someone who is able to help and willing to help. Verse 3 speaks of joy at the harvest, uh, implying provision, blessing. See, Jesus is a king who is able to provide for us. 
And then verse 4, there's liberation. Liberation, the shattering of the yoke of Midian, of the oppressor. Now, um, if you were an Israelite in Isaiah's time, you were always at the mercy of the more powerful nations around you. And the Midianites were, were one such nation. In fact, they were defeated on two separate occasions in the Old Testament. Once in Numbers 31 by Moses, and then again in Judges chapter 7 by Gideon. And I think it's this that's in view here. See, in, in Jesus we have one who, who uh, delivers us from oppression. And then there's justice in verse 5. The warrior's boot and the soldier's uniform burned because fighting and war are no longer needed as the king himself administers justice. So see the blessings of living under King Jesus. There's light, there's joy, there's liberation, there's justice. I wonder what kind of ruler you think Jesus is. Is he a tyrant? Someone who will spoil your life, who will limit your choices? No, as the uh, later writer John puts it in his gospel, in Christ is life. Life. To know him is to know life. In expansion, to know a richer life. And if you're not a Christian here today, I wonder, why wouldn't you want to know Jesus? Why wouldn't you want to know a king like this? See, live for money and it will ruin you eventually. But live for Christ and he will bless you. Christian, this morning, even in the midst of turmoil and absence, these things are still true. Even in suffering, you see, the Christian can have good expectations. Even if things are dark, King Jesus promises to bring good from, from bad, light from dark. You can trust him for that. You can have joy even in sadness because the love and power of Christ transcends whatever darkness you are in. You can know a change in your circumstances as you bring them to Christ in prayer, seeking to live for for him in them. And in Christ you can know relationships restored. At the end of arguments, difficult relationships can be healed with the help of Christ. Now, some of these blessings are found actually in the church, in, uh, among God's people. Uh, church, we, we are a family, aren't we, of restored relationships. But some of these, these blessings are also accessed, I think, by prayer. See, King Jesus wants us to, to pray about the things that trouble us, the things that make us afraid. And we can be bold with him. So put yourself under the wonderful rule of God's Son. First of all, live under the blessings of King Jesus. But secondly, rest secure in the person of King Jesus. Rest secure in, secondly, the person of King Jesus. And this is verse 6. Such a wonderful verse. This verse describes the, the personality of this king in four names. Four couplets that tell us together about the complete character of this king and they are fulfilled in Jesus so he's the wonderful counsellor this describes the king's wisdom that word counsellor is not as we would use it someone like someone who's a a good listener but the counsellor is the is is the quality in the bible associated with kings 
So kings were wise, they were able to make good decisions. And Christ is the wonderful counsellor. His wisdom is amazing, beautiful, attractive. See, Christ, as it were, knows the score. He knows the details. He can see objectively everything to make the best and wisest decisions. He's the wonderful counsellor. And then he's the mighty God. This is about the king's power. He's mighty. It's about what he can accomplish, what kind of resources he has. And striking, this king will be mightier than any man, because he is no man. He is God. Well, where is that fulfilled? Only in Christ, who is God. Here is someone with absolute power. Someone, if you like, to hide behind. Um, I heard uh, the other day of... uh, Buddhist and Hindu temples, apparently um, it's traditional for, in Buddhist and Hindu temples, for there to be stone statues placed outside the temple, Um, statues that are are usually armed, and they are guardians, They're, they're there to protect the god of the temple. And it struck me because King Jesus is different. You see, Jesus Christ doesn't need protection, He doesn't need a guardian because he is mightier than any foe, any god. He is the mighty God. And then he's the everlasting father. This speaks of the king's care for his people. It's an expression of the king's heart, his love for his people, treating them like children. And he's not a father who gives up when when it gets hard. He's the everlasting father, always caring, always Available. That's the kind of king that Jesus is. Loving, uh, intimate, knowing us completely, but committed to us absolutely. And then he's the prince of peace. This describes the king's character, his disposition. He's marked by peace, marked by, by gentleness. And his rule brings peace. In his princely rule, as it were, peace kind of extends from his rule. You see, come under the reign of Jesus and your life more and more should be marked by peace. So you see, rest secure in the person of King Jesus. Because in him you have one who is sufficient for you in every way. I wonder, what's your need this morning? Is it guidance? A decision that you don't know what to do about? You don't know which way to go? Well, come to Jesus, the wonderful counsellor. Is it help? Is there a big problem, a complex problem, or a powerful person in your life that you can't face? Well, hide behind the mighty God. Is it love? Do you need care? Have you been let down and you need a faithful friend? Come to Jesus, the everlasting Father. And do you need peace? Is your life broken in, kind of in pieces? Well, come to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Rest secure, you see, in who Jesus is and who he promises to be for his people. I wonder what do you you rest secure in? What do you look for, for wisdom, for power, for intimacy? As you look to the future, what do you daydream about? Where do you look for your security Perhaps in in the thought of buying a house or your finances or your pension. Well, those things are good, but they're not certain. And they won't make the ache go away. Because there's always something more. 
But you see, Jesus Christ is enough. You can rest in him. Let him be your security. Let him be the one that you delight in, that you hope in, whose power and sufficiency you hide behind. A good test of that is your prayer life. You see, in your anxieties, where do you go first? Perhaps you get out your phone and look at Google. Or do you turn first to the Lord Jesus? Put yourself under the wonderful rule of God's Son, you see, and go on trusting his eventual victory. First of all, uh, uh, see the blessings of King Jesus, and secondly, rest secure in the person of King Jesus. And then thirdly and lastly, trust in the reign of King Jesus. Trust in the reign of King Jesus. And this is verse 7. Verse 7 describes uh, four aspects to the reign of God's king. It's a peaceful reign of the greatness of his government and peace. Uh, this king, notice, is in, is in David's line. His, his reign, he reigns on David's throne. And so he's, we can contrast him directly with King Ahaz and all those Israelite kings who, who rejected God. You see, under Jesus, no more the war of the Israelite kings. No more the insecurity of knowing whether your borders are going to be invaded No, this is a peaceful reign. And then it's an eternal reign. See, there will be no end. Verse 7. See, no more the death of temporary Israelite kings. No more the insecurity of wondering whether your king is going to be toppled by a more powerful neighbour. Jesus is a stable king. And he's a just king. See, his, his reign is marked by justice and righteousness. Here is a king who is not out for his own agenda who will not rule you oppressively, a king who will not sort of use you and then discard you. And then the reign of this king is certain. See, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish it. Now this this verse actually hints that there is more to come of Jesus' reign. See, we see some of this promise realised, but not all of it. There is a now and a not yet. Um, As Hebrews, the book of Hebrews later in the Bible puts it, Um, God left nothing that is not subject to Christ, yet at present we do not see everything subject to him. See, one day King Jesus will rule over the whole world, the whole universe. But we don't see that reign uh, now. We now live in a tension. And yet, personally, as we put uh, our lives under the rule of Jesus, uh, we see his reign uh, extend. And some of us struggle with that tension, don't we? We want everything now. We want all of the blessings of King Jesus now. But the Bible doesn't promise that. But it does promise us him. And he is enough for us. So live under his reign now and wait and trust for it to be realised. Trust in the reign of King Jesus. Well, the message then of Isaiah chapter 9 is very simple. It's a would you rather... See, put yourself under the wonderful rule of God's Son and go on trusting him. Which begs the question, have you? Have you put your life under the reign of Jesus? I want to speak to two types of people, I think, here today. First of all, are those who you know that you haven't put your life under the reign of Jesus. You wouldn't call yourself a believer or a follower of Christ. Let me speak to you a moment. 
See, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does being a Christian mean? Well, you're not a Christian just because you come to church every week. Or you come to Reloaded. You're not a Christian just because you're confirmed. No, to be a Christian is to put yourself under the reign of King Jesus. And we have to do that because naturally, you see, we live under our own reign. This isn't an automatic thing. Naturally, the Bible says we are the king of our own lives. Whereas Jesus deserves to be. And though, like Israel, our natural rejection of Christ means that we deserve the darkness of God's punishment, Christ himself died and took that punishment so that we can know the light of his rule. And so Jesus invites you this morning to, as it were, put your hands up in surrender to him, to admit to him that you're living your own way and to give him your life. Now, it feels scary But remember what a wonderful king this king is. Well, I wonder, have you done that? And then let me speak to you, Christian, this morning. It's people who who have put their lives under the reign of Christ. You know that you've given your life to Christ. Well, let me ask you, Christian, have you given the government of your entire life over to King Jesus? Or are you trying to take back control over some area? Are you resisting his rule in some way? See, remember how good this king is. Remember the blessings that he gives. See, we often resist Christ precisely because we're afraid. Maybe you are in some situation of uncertainty or anxiety. Well, come to Jesus this morning and see how sufficient he is for you. Hide behind his power Come to him in prayer, asking for wisdom. Maybe you find yourself in a, in a, in a would-you-rather situation, some kind of temptation, perhaps something big, uh, non-Christian relationships, uh, or perhaps something more garden variety. What am I going to do with my summer? Uh, what am I going to spend my money on? What am I going to aim for in my career? Well, Isaiah 9 says, well... Live under the reign of Jesus in all your decisions, because there is blessing, security and peace. Will you pray with me? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Lord Jesus, we praise and thank you that you are that son given to us. Thank you for your wonderful reign. And thank you that you invite us to put ourselves under that reign. And we want to do that. We want to respond to you uh, this morning. Uh, we bring you um, our struggles, our, our lives, um, our uncertainties. And we pray that you'd help us to look to you uh, to be what we need. Pray for those who, are, who don't know you this morning as well. We pray that Um, uh, we would uh, put our lives under your reign. We pray this week you would be with us and help us to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. When I was talking about the Bible to children, I said the Bible is about God's love and about his wisdom. Our first hymn was called God's Love is Deeper Than the Deepest Ocean. And now I'm saying... 
perfect wisdom, the perfect wisdom. 